welcome to the Door of Life Church podcast. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus with the world and believers, to teach them how to walk in victory, and to help them find and fulfill God's plan for their life. If you have any comments about today's podcast, please contact us through our website at dooroflife.org. Door of Life Church, where faith meets real life. going to go ahead and get started this morning in a passage of scripture in the gospel of Matthew, where Jesus said this. He was teaching, this is part of, of course, the, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, this is uh, such a powerful passage of Scripture on so many different levels here. you know, he's certainly the, the conclusion. He says, you can't serve two masters. And it's about your eye, your eye being healthy. You know, when our eye is healthy, the light hits it, we can see. It's great. And, of course, that's true in the natural sense, but it's also true what he's referring to here in a spiritual sense as it relates to serving him, loving him, following after him. There's another translation, I, I don't know if it was the original King James, which says, if your eye is single, your whole body is full of light. In other words, you're singly focused, you know, but when your eye gets divided, distracted, that's when the darkness comes in. That's when there can be a distraction to, to dark things and whatnot. And so I think as I'm looking, you know, as we're looking at this passage of scripture, the first thing that just strikes me is how this battle of light and dark is hinging on the eye. Where your eye is looking, where you're gazing, is the difference between light and darkness. Your eye can have light and see things. It can be dark and blinded. And here Jesus says there's you know, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve light and dark. We feel that pull. We feel temptation. Of course, we're in this world. We experience things. But there is such a powerful truth here that your eye is the key element. And as things are ramping up in the day and age we live in, and we see with all technology and things that are going on, we see it played out. <laughs> and clearly spelled out just in the culture that we live in. Advertising is all about eyeballs, eyes. How many eyes can you get? Why is your eye so important? Your eye equals your attention. Your attention equals influence. Influence equals dollars. Dollars equals control. There is a puppet master 
in the world we live in who wants your eye so bad. If you've seen Lord of the Rings, you know that little Gollum guy with the, with the ring that he's so obsessed with, he calls it his precious. He's consumed with his precious being this little ring. Well, to the God of this world, your eye is his precious. Light and darkness have to do with your eye. And this morning, we're going to be talking about, get ready for it, the battle for your eye. The battle for your eye. And um, I'm believing this morning that this is going to be an important message in a lot of different ways. In other words, when we're dealing with things, we're going through stuff, we can look at our own life. We can say, hey, some things are going well, some things are not going so well. We can see light and darkness that we deal with in our own life. And this morning, I'm believing this message is going to be kind of a, um, it's going to be almost like a little bit of a, an exam if you will. You know, when we, we had relate this back in the 70s, when we would have our annual dental hygiene, you know, demonstration that would come through the schools, we'd have to chew those little red tablets. You have to chew them up and then rinse their mouth out, spit it out, and then where the red parts were, that's where we needed to brush more. Okay? I'm believing this message is going to be a little bit like that. That we're going to see where we need to brush more. Now, this is not going to be like, you know, finger-wagging condemnation type of a thing. You know, I mean, I'll say some things that we know are obvious this morning, but it's not going to bring, it, it's, you're not going to see condemnation. There's going to be revelation. In other words, there is darkness, but if there's darkness, it must be somehow connected to my eye. And I want to see this morning, not just be confused by the darkness, I want to see... Why, where my eye is taking me there. In other words, there's darkness for a reason. It's not just spontaneous. It's not just haphazard. I'm looking somewhere that's causing darkness, and I can change where I'm looking, and I can have light. In other words, we're taking it out of the, par the religious paradigm of just, you know, shame on you, you shouldn't know. There's light and there's darkness here, and something's causing that darkness. There is something that I'm feeding that it's causing me to look in a direction that's producing darkness in my life. And like I said, like that dental thing where you, you're rinsing your mouth out and you're going to be able to say, okay, well, Holy Spirit, show me. Because you know you can develop habits that can create blind spots where I want to be delivered from fear, but you're doing something that's feeding fear. And that's where this message is going to come in. We know the theology of some stuff, but we can be subtly, the enemy is subtle, he can cause us to be doing some things that's taking our eye in a way that's producing darkness. There's a battle for your eye. Light and darkness, the raging epic battle of this day, is about your eye. And that's what we're going to look at again this morning. And I'm believing, Father, I just pray that this message ministers life, Lord, revelation, not condemnation, but revelation, Lord, that we would see things, connect dots, and Holy Spirit, you would lead and guide us in our lives in places we can correct 
our vision. We can correct where we're looking, Father God, and, and experience light in place of darkness. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Here we go. All right. The battle for your eye. The first battle, of course, is the physical, your physical eye, where you're looking. And Jesus gave us some very pragmatic instructions here. He said, you have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say to anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for you to lose your hope, than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Okay? So Jesus is talking here. There's a, a few things that's going on here in this message and in showing man his need for a savior, ultimately his own sinful condition. But he's saying something here that, that is very powerful and very um, helpful in terms of dealing with temptation and our eye. Now, what he is saying here, he's speaking in hyperbole. He's not literally meaning to gouge out your eye, but he is talking about taking proactive, restrictive measures that are going to help keep you from being tempted in the first place. You know, part of, you know, one of the greatest ways to deal and to defeat and to overcome temptation and the gaze of our eye is to take proactive measures to keep ourselves out of those situations in the first place. You know, if a person is dealing with alcoholism, you don't want to sit at a bar looking down at a drink. You know, for, you know, daring yourself to not drink. All you're doing is you're putting yourself in a place where you're going to be seduced by temptation and give in to something. And what we're, you know, what Jesus is instructing here too is we're, we're told don't make provision for the flesh. In other words, if you know something ahead of time is going to catch your eye, stay away from it. There's a proverb that says, you know, don't go by the... Stay away from the path. Don't even go near it. Just avoid it altogether. You know, stay away from things that you know are going to catch your eye in a wrong way. There are, th there are restrictions. He, he, he didn't say somebody else gouge out your eye. He said, you gouge out your own eye. This means you're, you're putting down the law on yourself. You're putting some restrictions on yourself as far as that restricted vision, that restricted focus. There's some proactive stuff that you're doing. There's a battle for your physical eye, and we got to realize that we are human beings in the sense that you fail and you deal with failure as human. Jesus experienced our humanity, the pull of temptation, but he never, he never failed, praise God. He never did. He's our great sympathetic high priest who gets us, who we can go before him, and he guides us in paths of righteousness. He'll, he'll make the scripture, it says in Hebrews, make straight paths for your feet so that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. In other words, there's some good practical stuff as it relates to our physical eye that we can do, that we can, you know, restrict ourselves. Now, this would fall into an area of convictions, all right? You may have some parameters for your eye. That's helpful for you. It doesn't mean that everybody has to follow your exact parameters. In a sense, you're dealing with your own eye in this sense. But you got to be honest, too, about what it means to gouge out your eye. What does that mean in terms of a proactive restrictiveness of your eye? What it, you know, there may be certain movie 
ratings that's better to not watch, to not have to open themselves up to. There may be um, certain TV shows, there may be certain things. And again, this is not a religious finger wagging. Anybody who really loves the Lord would never watch that. It's you knowing yourself and what you have to do to keep your eye from keeping your eye single and not allowing your eye to get distracted. You know, it's, so these are some things. I'll do a message every once in a while in Door of Life called convictions. You know, they're the principles of the word are true for everyone, but how we apply those principles in a practical way that keeps us true to them can be different, all right? Specifically. So as we're looking at this, we see that, yeah, we've got some things to do. We've got some, some proactive restrictions that we put on ourselves to keep ourselves in that right place. You know, sometimes you'll see the old um, adage where you got the angel on one shoulder and the, the devil on the other shoulder whispering into your ear, trying to get your attention. That's true. We've got that situation. The spirit and the flesh, they're there. But it doesn't mean we have to give them equal time, right? We, we, we realize that I can know, I can purpose to begin to focus my eye on things that I know are good. And to be honest with stuff that I know that is messing with, with my eye, things that are getting my eye off track. And so um, that's kind of the, when you're talking about your physical eye, it's that where you're looking in terms of stuff that is going to catch your eye in a, in a negative way. Now, here we're kind of talking about flesh, lust, stuff like that. Here's another look, though, too, as well. This is when Jesus was walking on the water. Peter called out to him, Jesus, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Walk out, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind saw the waves. He was afraid and terrified, began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? We're talking about, again, a physical look. Peter was fine. When he was looking at Jesus, he was good, walking on the water, but then he began to see wind. He began to see waves. And um, here again, this is another aspect where we're just talking about our natural physical eye, where we got to be, you know, um, somebody say, think about what you're thinking about. You know, be aware of what you're looking at, too. Be aware of what you're observing. Be aware of what you're gazing. You know, because um, it's amazing how similar things work. Spiritual, the spiritual principles work the same. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Fear comes by hearing and hearing the word of steal, kill, and destroy. All right? So the spiritual principle of faith and fear work the same way. It just depends on what you're feeding on, what you're looking at. And this is where we got to be careful about news overload sometimes. Because if you're just looking at tragedy, and this happened there, and that happened there, and that situation happened there, I don't care if it's one in a trillion, I'm next. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just that way. It comes by hearing. Because I'm giving my attention, I'm fixing my gaze on that. I'm feeding on that. And there can be a sense of responsibility and all that, and certainly there is a middle road of responsibility, but there can also be an obsession with things like that. And it's like all of a sudden I'm, it's, you're just seeing wind and waves everywhere. I just see wind and waves. Well, yeah. You're, you're hearing wind and waves. You're watching wind and waves. You're listening to wind and waves. And so those are, those are, and we're just talking about the natural eye right now. Being aware of the things that we're looking at, 
being aware of the things that we're feeding on, they affect us more than we know. A lot of times what we'll do is we'll stop and just kind of take an internal feeling check. How do I feel? I feel okay, good. Not necessarily. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk by our feelings. We don't do a feeling check to see how we're doing. We begin to walk by faith. We have to walk by faith in the Word of God. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but we got to realize that, man, just, it's not just a matter of how I feel. You can take something and feel good. You understand? Um, but you got to understand spiritually your condition. What am I looking at? Because if I sow, it's, I'm going to reap somewhere. I might not reap now because I feel good in the moment. But even if it's, you know, a few hours from now or tomorrow or you go to sleep that night, just allowing yourself to feed on things, it affects you. It affects you. Why can't I get rid of this fear? Well, some of it is just a matter of what am I looking at? Am I looking at things that are feeding that fear? And again, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not wagging. I'm just saying this is, that, this is the annual dental hygiene checkup this morning. We're just rinsing it around in our mouth. We're going to spit it out. We're going to look into the mirror for ourselves and just be honest about what it is that we might be eating, feeding, that is helping, that might be causing that producing, producing darkness. And that's where it gets really, and this is why the scripture is so powerful when he says that, because he says, I won't go all the way back to the passage, but he says, if the light you think you have in you is really darkness, how great is that darkness? Because when you're feeding something and you're doing a feeling check and you think, I'm okay, but there's really darkness in there, it gets to be some deep darkness in there after that good feeling wears off for whatever reason. Then something, a root of something has to be dealt with more than a temporary feeling. So again, this is just checkup time, not condemnation, revelation. I want this to be, aha, that's why I'm freaking out. That's why I'm, I'm looking, well, well, no wonder. I'm, you know, just let the Holy Spirit, who's been sent to lead and guide you into all truth, just help you to realize if I'm looking in some places that's causing darkness, I want to know what that is. The battle for light and darkness is going on in my life, and my eye is the hinge on whether there's light or whether there's darkness, the health of my eye. So there's a fear. There, there, there's a look that can cause fear. In the same way there's a look, look that can cause lust and stir up passion and all the flesh stuff there, there's another look that can, that can cause the fear and, um, and make all that stuff very real to you. You know how it is when, when, when faith is real to you? It's like, I believe in something I can't see. We're worshiping God in the blood. Fear has that same sense. I believe something bad's really going to happen to me, even though it has that same sense of spiritual reality. And that's why it can be so convincing. But this is where, but it's darkness. It's not God. Has God given us a spirit of fear? No, he hasn't. That's what we really went over last week. You know, you know I'm, I'm not alone. Praise God. He is, he is with, I love that song that we were singing. I, you know, I am not alone. You are with me. I don't have to be afraid. Praise God. That's true. So it's not God. God is not speaking fear to me, but I got to realize, am I still listening to it? Even though I know it's technically not him, am I allowing that to get into me? Because I know that's not him. I know that's not him feeding, feeding fear into me. And then finally, I just want to say this as it relates to a physical look, and that is uh, Moses. Now, when Moses was tending, he was, he's in the backside of the, he's in the, um, you know, he, had, he escaped Pharaoh it says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock back to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Now this is physical. 
from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. There's another cool physical look too. There are things that we can see that we can go, wow, cool. There's, in other words, you see something about it and there's a certain witness of the Spirit that says that's good. But there's still a turning aside to look. There's still a gaze. There's still an intentionality. Man, I remember, um, well, this goes back to our early days. I was programming for a guy. Um, I, I was dating Julie at the time, but um, it was a guy who had a business, and he just had on his um, desk uh, a tape series. Back in the olden days, we had cassette tapes that we would listen to. And uh, yeah, eight tracks. Not, not quite back that far, Scott. <laughs> uh, but um, we had these cassette tapes, and I just saw it sitting there on his desk, and it was, you know, spirit, soul, body, development of the new man. Spirit, soul, and body. I thought, man, you know, I just, just caught my eye. I thought, oh, interesting, cool. I'm just programming. It's like, there's just something about that. And I remember it was a 12-tape series, getting my tape recorder out and listening to that while I was programming. And I listened to that cassette series for probably a good, I mean, I would say a good 12 months over and over and over again about how you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. And the power of being able to renew your mind according to the word of God. And spiritual power in the physical body, that he can strengthen your physical body, that there's healing for the believer. There's healing is the children's bread. There is a provision that God makes for the whole man. Rapha, complete wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. And listening to that thing over, and I was so intrigued. And I, I'll tell you what, it charted the course of my entire life, that tape series, I got into the reality of what we'd call word of faith, um, going to Rama. A lot of times people think word of faith, there's a lot of weird things that'll go on in the name of word of faith, but word of faith meaning that the Bible is the word of God, that you can trust it, that you can look to it, and that we, we stand on the word of God spirit, soul, and body. His promises are good. But I would listen to that tape series, and it just went off on the inside of me, changed me, changed my life, changed the way I thought. I remember getting such a reality of the fact that I was a new creation. It was about a year after listening to that tape series. I've related this before, too, where I've, I was just walking along, and all of a sudden, I failed, missed it, and all of a sudden I'm feeling shamed and condemned to think, and I just remember thinking, saying out loud, I guess that's just who I am. And the Spirit of God arrested me and said, that's not who you are. You are a new creation. That came at you from the outside. This is who you are. And I got a little mini vision, my first one ever, where I could see the new creation. It was just like a flash. That's who you are. I could see 
the glory of the new creation, the child of God he made me to be, the child of God that is created in righteousness and true holiness. What we were singing about this morning, that gift. It's not just the gift that I get to go to heaven when I die. It's the gift of eternal life in me. It's the gift of the new creation that he made me to be when I passed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. I'm not just the same old person I was there over here. I wasn't just, tra- I wasn't just moved. I was changed into a new creation. I was born again. And I saw it, and it was so real in my heart. And I'm telling you what, my whole life is different. I'm here. I'm preaching in a church like this today because a tape series that just caught my eye. I had to turn aside and look at those. If I would have just said, cool, I wonder what that's about, and went on about my... Where would I be? I mean, you know, God could have, would have got me around different ways, but there are things that he'll put in your path. That's all I'm saying. And you've got to turn aside and look. That means Moses was tending flock. He was on the clock. He was punching. He was in his routine. He had to get out of his routine. Something got his attention, and he had to turn aside. And I like the way it's worded. So when the Lord saw, he didn't say when the Lord saw that Moses saw the bush. He said, when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to look. Then he said, Moses, Moses. He saw that Moses made a decision about something he saw. He saw that Moses made a decision to esteem something that he saw enough to turn aside and look. And when that heart commitment came in, then he, the Lord, he heard the Lord say, Moses, Moses, our physical eye. God will show you some things. God will, you, you know, you could be watching something on, there could be a certain message, there could be a certain something you see where you're turning aside and looking. Your eye. There's stuff that he wants you to look at. So I'm, I'm saying that to say this too, as far as kind of rinsing the mouth out and things like that too, spots, is, you know, if the Lord brings something back, that, oh, I thought about that before and I kind of dismissed it. Well, if he keeps bringing it back, then maybe you think, maybe I should go in that direction anyway and turn aside and see. So I'm saying that to say this, you know, be listening on the inside to see maybe certain things that the Lord might be have shown you or gazes or things that have caught your attention. There could be something in that bush. There could be something there that's going to be direction for your life. So our physical eye is engaged, that we turn aside and we look and we follow up on those things that God might be wanting to show us. And then finally, secondly, your mental eye, okay? Your physical eye is where you're looking. Your mental eye is what you're thinking, Okay? You can see, you can close your eyes and still see things. You can see things in your mind, all right? And this is kind of a a segue to that. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. For God knows the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, this is kind of where we're going to transition from that physical eye to the mental eye here. So Eve, so when the woman Eve saw that the tree was good for food, she saw the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree and a tree desirable to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate 
She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. You see that when they ate of the fruit, the eyes of them were open. It didn't say, and they, they, it said they knew that they were naked. They knew Their eyes, their physical eyes were open the whole time, but they knew something. They saw something in their mind that they hadn't seen before. They ate of some fruit and their eyes were opened in a way that they saw that they were naked. And so when we're talking about this aspect, the mental eye, there is something that will get our you know, the, our physical eye will catch our eye, will distract us in different ways, but there are things that will cause our eye to, the eye of our soul, the eye of our understanding to be opened in different ways. Now, this is, this is kind of a big one, okay? Because when you look at this, um, of course, their, their physical eyes are open, but something happened. It's like on the inside. Something happened where they saw something they didn't see before after they ate the fruit. Um, you know, when you think of the works of the flesh, you think of the tree, you know, of the tree of the flesh, this, or the tree we're not supposed to eat of, you know, different things like that. And you look at the list of the works of the flesh, it's a pretty big list. I mean, adultery, fornication, lewdness, um, you know, pharmakeia, which would be sorcery, which would be drugs, um, you know, drunkenness, revelries, um, but things like um, anger, outbursts of wrath, jealousies, dissensions, all this kind of stuff in there. And you can look at that big list and you can say, you know, you can look at that list and say, yeah, I totally get that one and that one and that one. But you can look at that list and say, you know, I, I don't know why other people would get tripped up over this other stuff, you know. You can look at that list of the works of the flesh and, and think, yeah, I, I can see why people struggle with this and I might be part of the weights and the sins that so easily beset me. But other stuff on that just might not even be an appeal. Do you know why there are things that are like that? When you, when you begin to open, when you begin to eat of the fruit, your eyes get opened. And, you, and sometimes, there's like a lot of stuff, I, I've never done drugs. You could put a whole pile of drugs up here. And I just went, okay the whole sorcery pharmacare, and it just, it, there would be no pull. I care less. It's not because I'm just so more, I haven't eaten of that. My eyes haven't been opened to it. When you begin to eat of things, your eyes can get open to things. And all of a sudden it's like, my goodness, why doesn't everybody have a problem with this? So there's some fruits that you've eaten, some fruits you haven't. But when you begin to eat of certain things, your eyes get opened. It's like, oh, and that's when there's such a pull on something. 
What are we talking about now? We're talking about the battle for your eye. And we're talking about now we're getting into the mental eye, into the soulish eye. Because when you eat of some fruit that you know you shouldn't eat of, then you begin to see things you weren't supposed to see. And it's tricky. And it's a pull, and it's there. And it's, you know, sometimes you'll hear the phrase, you know, I can't unsee that. How do I unsee something after I've already eaten the fruit of it and I've experienced the pull of it? And it's like, how do I unsee that? How do I get free from that? How can I keep my eye from that? Praise God, you were designed to be free and to have victory over every area of your life. The same grace of God we were singing about this morning, the grace of God that brings salvation to all men, praise God, it teaches us that there is a denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly and righteously in this present world. That he's redeemed us from every lawless deed. Everything you've looked at and those other eyes have been opened. And it's like, now I can't close them, I can't. There is victory in that area. But it's not the way you might think. The scripture says this. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For the law of the spirit of life, this is Colossians and Romans together. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. The first thing that God does in helping you get free and delivered from something your eyes have seen in terms of mentally is he is going to begin to have you look somewhere else. In other words, I'm not going to try to unsee that thing. I'm going to look in a different place. I know it's there. I'm just looking in a different place. I'm going to be unfaithful to that thing, and I'm going to be looking somewhere else. God incrementally will get you your gaze in a different place. There's a deliverance, but this first step is a step of faith. You're going to look someplace. You're going to set your mind on things above. Even though I know it's there, even though my eyes have been opened to it in a way, like you said, it's like, why doesn't everybody? Because if they could see what I see, everybody should have this issue. And again, it's different depending on what you've eaten, all right? <laughs> depending on your eyes. But the answer is the same regardless of the fruit, right? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Every work of the flesh has the same common denominator of the law of sin and death. Regardless of whatever work of the flesh, you know, we, we refer to it as fruit in the sense of the garden, but you know what I'm talking about. If you, whatever fruit you've eaten of that in the sense of flesh, whatever it is, the law of the spirit of life is what makes you free from the law of sin and death. No matter what you know, no matter what your eyes have been opened to see, 
there is a law that will make you free from the law of sin and death. Now, stay with me here because it's a two-step process, the way this works. The first thing, though, that's going to happen is your eyes, your gaze, setting your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, this isn't an ostrich sticking its head in the sand, all right? It's not like I'm pretending this thing doesn't exist. I know it exists. I'm obeying the word, and I'm setting my mind on things above. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. How does that law work? Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Now, you kind of hear the old adage, mind over matter. This has nothing to do with mind over matter. Mind over matter doesn't work. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus over the law of sin and death works. And so what am I doing here? I'm beginning to sow to the spirit. I'm setting my mind on things above by faith. I'm setting my mind on things above by faith, knowing the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus is what makes me free from the law of sin and death. I'm doing it intentionally. Now think about that Psalm 1 guy. I didn't have that slide up here, but blessed is the man. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the path of the sinner. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree planted. Now, it's not that the Psalm 1 guy isn't tempted to walk in the counsel of the ungodly or tempted to stand in the path of the sinner or get over into the seat of the scornful because of a memory. No, he chooses to delight in the law of the Lord. He chooses to set his mind on things above because he knows that there's something powerful about the word of God. And this is it. And this is where we're get, getting to. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the, two, the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so the way we get free mentally in terms of our gaze is when we're setting our mind on things above. We're setting our mind on the Word of God. And the Word of God is doing something. It gets in between our soul and our spirit. It exposes the inner thoughts and desires. Now let's... When you're dealing with that thing, when you're dealing with that fruit from a religious paradigm... You shouldn't do that. You're getting ready to do it. All right? That has no power to restrain. But what God does, he does it in a powerful way. He does it in a discerning, exposing way. To where when that word begins to work in you and you're going back to the same old thing, but the word is working in you, it's different. You see things when the word is working in you, when you're setting your mind on things above, when your gaze is on things above, when your gaze by faith is on the word. I'm not, I'm doing, I'm not doing a feeling check to see how I feel. I'm by faith going to the word of God. I'm, I'm turning aside to the word of God. I'm sowing to the spirit because I know that word, that word, word is the written word of God. It's alive and powerful. It's working on the inside of me. It's doing something on the inside of me. And this is how you do it. This is how God causes you to get delivered from fruit you've eaten that you see and know and have an, an awareness with. He does not cause you to unsee it. 
He causes you to see through it. And that's your deliverance. It's not that I can't see it. I see through it because it's exposed. I'm seeing the same thing. The same attraction, the appeal, but now I see the lie behind it. I see the deception. It's not true. Because when you begin to esteem truth, that's the thing about setting your mind on things above. It forces you to believe that truth matters again. And when truth matters again in your soul, and then you revisit that and you see where it's untrue, you see through it. Yeah, I can give into, I can yield to it, but I got to kind of cave here, here, and here, and here for it to work. But when truth matters and there's light and you see it again, it doesn't look the same. I remember a guy in Bible school telling us about, I think he had a, a cleaning job or something that he had to do, and it was one of these clubs. He said these clubs where people do all this, this stuff. He said, you ought to see that in the middle of the day. This is some of the grimiest things you've ever seen. Slimy tables and things like that. You can't see it in the dark. You know, you just don't notice it because it's so dark in those places. But man, you see some of those joints in the middle of the day and you got to do the cleaning in there? It's a mess. It's grimy. It's gross. When you begin to see the Word of God and esteem the Word of God and then you visit, it's like, oh, I see something I didn't see before. I'm seeing through something. I'm seeing through it. I'm not trying to unsee it. I'm just seeing through it. And that's what makes you drop the fruit. Drop the fruit, as it were. Say, I don't want this. I see through it. It's not right. It's false promises. It's not true. It's a lie. I knew technically it was a lie, but now I see that it's a lie in a way that delivers me. God can deliver you from something you see on the inside by his spirit. He can do that. He does that with the word of God. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It exposes our, our innermost thoughts and that's what we need. We need something that is going to come and break that gaze because that's the way the flesh is. The flesh will have a gaze, a fixed gaze on something. And the Word of God has the ability to break a gaze. To break, again, for any of you Lord of the Ring fans, Pippin and the plant here, that little ball he looks at, and one of the, I'm not sure if it's the one where, I might be the third one, but he's looking at that little ball that kind of he can see the future and all that, and his gaze is just so fixed because he's like looking at it, and it's looking back at him, and there's a relationship that he has with this thing. And it's like he can't break his gaze off this. So you had the, um, uh, the king, Al Al Aragorn, thank you, comes in and he sees him fixated, and he breaks it and breaks the gaze. And that's the thing, that's where we got to humble ourselves and realize, I can't break my own gaze on this thing. All I can do is, all I can do is look to the Word of God. I'm not pretending, I'm just looking to the Word of God. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm looking to your Word by faith. You can still have the strong connection with that thing, but by faith, you're, by faith, you're looking to the Word of God. You think, well, what, what good is Paul's instruction to Timothy going to do me while I'm dealing with this? What good is, you know, Paul's word to the Galatian church? Listen, you don't have to be a Bible scholar when we're saying, go to the word, go to the word. Don't have these big lofty ideas. You go to the word of God and you just begin with a humble heart, begin to say, Lord, show me your word. I'm not here to get the big revelation of anything. I'm here to just submit myself to the word right now. 
Read a psalm. Read some scriptures out of the New Testament epistles. Read some the gospels. Begin to read the word of God. It's the flavor of the word. It's the truth of the word. It's the spirit of the word. Because the law of the spirit of life that makes me free from the law of sin and death is the author of the word of God. And when we begin to get in the word, those words will get in you. That's when, when things begin to change. That's when things, that's when things begin to break. And so, again, as we're looking at this this morning, I just want you to be aware that whatever you feel like you're bound to, it, it has a common denominator, law of sin and death. And the law of the spirit of life is greater and more powerful. And there is, and there is an unfaithfulness that you will experience to that thing that's binding you. I'm going to be unfaithful to that, and I am going to be faithful to the Word of God instead. I'm going to be intentional about that. I'm not probing for a feeling, or I read, gee, I read five verses. I should be feeling something. I'm not at all. I'm just reading the Word by faith. And when, when that Word gets in you, it's like under the hood stuff that's going on. And I can't explain it. I've been walking with the Lord for how many, I don't know how many years, 40 plus years. And all I can say is that the power of the Word of God, when it gets in your heart, it just opens your eyes in a way that you see what it sees. The Word of God has discerning ability in it. And when you let that Word dwell in you richly, that discerning ability gets in you. And then you begin to see what the Word sees. You begin to see life from that perspective. This is why we're serving a living God. This is why we're different. This is why Christianity is so powerful. God lives on the inside of us. It's not a book we're serving. It's the living Word of God. And there's something powerful about that word that causes us to open our eyes in a spiritual way where we're seeing with those eyes, the eyes of the Spirit, the eyes of the Word of God. And so we, we realize that, you know, there is a mental eye, there is something that we're looking at, but uh, at some point in your life, in some point in your heart, when you're dealing with this, you know, I've had that scripture come back to me, you know, why, are you, why, why do you seek the living among the dead? And at some point when you're looking at this thing, you've got to ask yourself that question. Why am I seeking the living among the dead? I've got to go and set my mind back on things above. And again, like we've talked about this before, it's not religious duty. I'm not repenting to religious duty. I'm not repenting to a devotion time. I'm repenting to a person. I'm repenting to life. I'm repenting to the one who is living and powerful, the one who can get in between who I am and how I feel and help me see things right. I'm repenting to the spirit of a sound mind. Praise God. I'll tell you what, where am I looking? Where is the deep darkness? Where am I looking? Man, goodness, I'm going to begin to focus my things back on things above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And then I'm just going to close with a couple things. Your spiritual eye, when the king, when the servant, the man of God got up early the next morning, went outside, there were troops, horses, chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elijah. Don't be afraid, Elijah told him, for there are more on our side than, on, than are on theirs. Then Elijah prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes. Let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and he looked up, and he saw the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. All right, here's another opening of his eyes spiritually. And this is where the things that we learn about in church on our own as we're studying, learning about who we are in Christ, learning that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, the Holy Spirit does dwell in us, these are things that we can learn and know are technically true, but these are things where we can begin to look. 
we can begin to take a good look. I felt like we were taking a good look this morning at the friend inside of us, the Holy Spirit. We were taking a good look at that in worship. It wasn't a passing glance. It was a look. It was a look. And that's where I just came in sensing, looking into eternal life, looking at these, pursue, hold, hold fast you know, to eternal life. There's a strong possessing of those things. That's something we can do with our eye, with the eye of our spirit. The Apostle Paul prayed it this way. I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what are the exceeding greatness of the chariots of fire that are around me and you. The exceeding greatness of his power to those who believe. We can see some things. You can see some things. In other words, the servant was afraid. Elijah wasn't afraid because of one thing. They were seeing two different things. And once the servant saw what Elijah was seeing, he wasn't afraid anymore either. Sometimes the difference between being afraid and not being afraid is what you're seeing. And that's where Paul prayed, open their eyes, open their eyes, open the eyes of the church that they can see the exceeding great abundant chariots of fire. They're around them. This is where we, what we'd call sowing to the Spirit, setting your mind on things. But Lord, you said I'm a new creation. I want to see that. I want to get a revelation that I'm a new creation. I know that I have power in me technically by the word, but Lord, I, wanna, I want the eyes of my understanding to be enlightened. I want to know the exceeding greatness of that power to where I see something that I'm not afraid like Elijah wasn't afraid. Lord, show me something. This is intentionality. This is some spiritual looking with your eyes where you're going forward in it. Paul put it this way, our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at troubles. We can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen with these natural eyes. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. So you can see what made that man tick. How could Paul go through all that stuff and just stay on course? He was looking at things not seen. He kept his heart, his focus, his mind, and that's really kind of the closing scripture. Therefore, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside the weights and the sins which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the weights and the sins. Those are the things that you struggle with in your soul, different ways. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is a looking unto Jesus. That is the ultimate look as we're looking uh, things above. He began this good work. He's going to be the completer of the work. We don't have to put that on us. All we have to do is look to him, and then he'll show us what's next, how we're going to walk that out, step by step, day by day. So the battle for your eye, there's a battle for your physical eye. Certainly where you're looking, be aware. Be aware of the things that you're allowing to have influence in your life, the things that you look at, and different things like that. And just get, be aware, especially when you're, if you feel like you're struggling with an area and you're wondering, why am I dealing with this? Just be aware of what you're looking at. Just see how looking at something could be the catalyst to why there is darkness in that area. So um, the, then there's the mental eye, what you're thinking about. Obviously, if there's some things that we've done that opens the eyes on the inside, that, re that creates shame and nakedness and awareness and all that kind of stuff. Man, we're not stuck there at all. Yeah, you can't unsee that thing that you saw, but you can see through that thing that you saw. 
by the power of the Spirit of God. And when you see through it, it doesn't look the same. A lot of times, when you're played, you want to be played. You want an escape. You want to get away from things. But when you begin to set your mind on things above and just make a, a turn in your heart to truth, say, God, I want truth. I want you. When your heart gets to that place where I don't want to be played, you don't want to be played, and that thing comes back again, it looks different. You see it through different eyes. You see the lie behind it, and it's not okay. You see the lie behind it and think, well, no, it's not okay. And it's not that the goal of my life is to not do that thing. No, I got a spiritual eye. I got things that God wants me to do. He, he, there's, a, there's a spirit of wisdom and revelation that is going to show me the hope of his calling. He's going to show me things to come. All of a sudden, I'm going to get imaginations in my mind about the future. I'm going to get things in my mind about things that God wants me to do, and I'm seeing myself doing them. I'm preoccupied in my mind with amazing, cool things that God wants me to do in ways that he wants me to have influence. I'm turning aside to some things that God is showing me as the good shepherd, paths of righteousness, places that he's leading and guiding me into. And you can see why there's such a battle for your eye. Because when you are then following the Lord and you get to enjoy the full color of your own personality again, walking and doing what he's called you to do, man, there's nothing like that. The flesh is what makes you just like everybody else. Doing what God has called you to do is what makes you truly unique in his workmanship and a beauty and a certain creative purpose that can only be found there. That's where the joy of your salvation comes back to is you're just saying, wow, this is why I was put on this earth. My goodness. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we can be aware that there is a battle going on for our eye. And Lord, we know, we know that that battle is subtle, like the enemy is so subtle, sneaking in on Eve and suggesting things and getting her gaze off the word of God. We know that that enemy still comes and sneaks and tries to get us off the word of God too. Father God, I just pray right now this morning that you would just reveal to us, Father, areas where our eye is being seduced. I pray, Father God, that you will make clear adjustments that we can make that will bring light back in to our full path. Go ahead and make this a declaration of faith if your heart can agree. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, my eye is the lamp of my body. I want it to be focused on you, on your word, on your kingdom. I declare right now, I'm not afraid of the things that I've seen. Because he that is in me is greater than anything I've seen. And he that is in me can see through anything that I've seen. Lord Jesus, I look unto you. You began this good work, and you're going to complete it. Show me what to do next. Where to look next. In the meantime, I look up by faith in your word, 
in worship and I listen for your spirit to guide me right where you want me to be as your workmanship being about the Father's business. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, again, receive that again this morning. This is not a word of condemnation. We've all got stuff. We've all got those spots. We're looking in adjustments that we need to make. No looking down here. I'm right here with you going through stuff. You know, uh, not have attained, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forward. We all are continually making those adjustments and going on in God. And so receive that, though. Because sometimes, I mean, I've had that where it's like, wow, I've related that other time before, too, where when I'm, I was going to, going to run, I'm stretching out to run, but I'd have a problem every once in a while. My, my knee would just um, get um, kind of sore, and I'd realize that when I was stretching, I was hyperextending my knee. But it was like after I was working out, I was so blood, and the blood was flowing and feeling good, and I didn't realize I was just really cranking it. It's like, wow, I'm hyperextending my knee there, you know? It's a blind spot. And I realized to be conscious of that. And so that after I'd work out, I, I wouldn't do it that hard. You know, just like, and the knee, the knee pain went away. That's kind of what this message is too. Lord, just show us. Show us some things, adjustments that we can make that we're not sabotaging our own walk in some way. Amen. Praise God.